0: Yeah, hey! That. hey! Here we are. Backseat Playlist. Episode, was this five? five. Episode five. We were... Oh, wait, no. Yes. Yes? Wait. This... Yes. <laughs> we got it right. We don't have to redo it. Woohoo! We did. Episode five, we did it, guys.
1: Multiple episodes in a seating, so yeah. we kind
0: of threw off how I was hey, thinking about don't, things. Don't tell them the secrets am sorry. productions. But uh, you don't even know now. Now they don't even know. They're like, what day did they film this? Who knows? What what year did they film this? This could have been filmed like... 1987. Dude, right? We are... Time travelers. Time travelers. I am Doc, and this is Marty. Uh, Even though it doesn't make sense because you are older than me. But we're time travelers, so you don't even know. Don't even know. We are talking about overheads and rooms and spot mics. And... Symbols. Yeah, symbols. Get your deaesters out, baby. We got some sibilants coming for you. We
1: ya. got nothing but offensive, harsh frequencies. <laughs> we are talking about the things that the drummer hits harder than the drums, and it makes <laughs> every engineer probably cry at night.
0: I, uh, I have a recording that I've done, and I am gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna admit a mistake here on the air today. But uh, there's a, I didn't realize how loud this China symbol was that the drummer yeah, yeah, yeah. was using. I remember you texting me about this, and I believe. it is clipping at certain oh. points. And it's just, it's, it honestly, it, I kind of, I think I've done a good job mixing it where it just sounds like the China's broken. Oh, <laughs> nice. So there's, it's, it's not awful, but.
1: Speaking um, of clipping, my mix to my in-ears, Coming oh, yeah. in hot. Coming in hot, ta ta ta
0: I'm very, very uh, energetic this morning, this that's afternoon, good. this evening, in this, this beautiful February 1987. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. I I love cymbals. I love cymbals. I love overheads. I think I get – I don't know. It's funny. Diving into trying to pick songs for this was really difficult. Yeah. I feel like in modern rock, modern pop music, you know – the cymbals get, I don't want to say destroyed, but I feel like there's such an, almost an afterthought, I feel, because we're always so focused on getting a sick kick drum, a sick snare, a sick, you know, all this stuff like that. And then the guitars, there's no room for the cymbals. And so cymbals so many times just become that, you know, 4K and up, just almost white noise sound. And
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a certain... I don't want to say famous mix engineer, but a well-known mix engineer in the more modern metal productions. And I'm, I know you've probably watched some of his content. And like everything, I'm not trash-talking anybody's approach to engineering. But, you know, in any sort of process, there's things you agree with and things you yeah. disagree with. And I was watching one of his videos, and he was just like, yeah, you can high-pass your symbols up to, like, 2K. And
0: it's- oh, my God. Okay, I don't do that. I'll pat. i will— I'll say as a rough, hard, and fast rule, I might high pass up to 400. Yeah. And then from there, maybe more or less depending on the song, the arrangement. Because yeah. Now, d- with a caveat, I will say that might be an
1: acceptable um, mix approach because more than likely he's probably sample replacing the entire drum kit, so he's got to get all of that stuff out yeah. there too. so he's not looking to get so- any
0: tone... To the drums from those overheads yeah or- so
1: I, I think that's a more appropriate eq move if you have to sample replace because the drums were just bad sounding yeah so you might have to do that but as a rule of thumb i generally keep my overheads pretty wide open
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and it depends on approach live sound not so much um sometimes i just have i, I mic the outside like if i'm you know i'm the drummer mm-hmm um, in the studio you're probably coming more in on the cymbals where in live I'm probably miking the outside yeah, edges you're the of outside the kit of um that depend that's venue dependent if cuz a lot of the the places I mix in are like theater rooms yeah so they're meant to project so I don't need all of the drum because the drums just carrying yeah, anyway so i can just spot the
0: loudest thing most likely
1: spot mic the outside of the cymbals and tuck them in if i need to recording though i'm all about Getting the snare sound out of my overheads. So while I had, a, I, and I thought about this after we wrapped up the snare drum episode and the Tom episode, really. I was like, I know we were talking about like direct miking things, but really for the most part, like a lot of my drum shell sound is overheads, uh, partially because, as hey, I said. Except
0: for the snare? Because you just said you want to get the snare out of your overheads.
1: No. I, in live sound, yes. Oh, in live in sound? In recording, yes, recording, I
0: want the snare sound. I want. I think I said it in... Because I was going to say, I agree with you. I totally, I I used to, I'd say, I used to probably limit my overheads trying to get that snare to duck, but now yeah. I've kind of just said, you know what, that's the natural physics of how that's being picked up, so I'm mm-hmm. going to embrace that. And I, I think that's kind of been one of my approaches I've kind of changed in the last year is really trying to... Not force things mm-hmm. so much and really just try to let the music and let the recording speak. Of course, Dictate. there's always things that it's like, you know, yeah, if you don't want a certain thing, go ahead and change the mics around. You know, yeah. if you've got a weird placement, you're like, oh, I really want this different stereo dimension, move the mics mm-hmm. around. But, you know, there are some things that are just innately always going to be there. A snare is it's always going to be loud there. as yeah. shit in the overheads. And so just kind of yeah. embracing that has been really fun. I
1: don't know if you've noticed this. Like, what's with all of the people... And I'm not knocking the drum because it's on my wish list of snares. Mm-hmm. The the you know the Mapex sledgehammer, the, yeah, like the hammer brass ones that are or loud, loud like, as fuck. Why is it always the hardest hitters that always buy one of those? Yeah,
2: I don't know.
0: It's all, like because it sounds like an explosion.
1: It's that's like cool. a scenario where my overheads won't be trying to get the snare sound. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll will in the the average recording situation, and we're jumping ahead a little bit. I will probably position my overheads over the toms. Okay. Sometimes, depending on, you know, how loud the snare is in the mix or whatnot. Um, but for the most part, I'm, I'm trying to capture the a natural drum kit sound. Because really, and I said it in an earlier episode, it's like, when's the last time you listened to a snare
0: drum from three inches away? Probably <laughs> never. Like. Go try that. Go home. Well, we're not advising this because we don't need any more people in the hospital. Yeah. But if you are so inclined, we're not encouraging it, Put your ear next to a snare drum and have your best friend hit it as hard as you can. It's not fun. See what it sounds like. Yeah, don't do that. Disclaimer: Do Do not do that. You'll permanent hearing loss. Yeah, it's not good. But it's funny. I actually um, Dan Bronstein, who makes like Spirit Box and other guys, he Mm. distorts the hell out of his drums a lot. It's like on the on the one of the singles from Spirit Box's latest record, Holy Roller um and mix in the mix breakdown he is distorting the hell out of the drums and it kind of makes sense because if you're like if you have if you're ever in a room like any small room with a drum kit your ears distort you, oh my god your ears distort yeah it's like i am so like on it with earplugs these days just i've mm-hmm. gotten to the point now probably the last three years like i have to wear earplugs at a concert you know yeah, i might, i think it's just because i use my ears so much that i feel like they have become even more fine-tuned yeah. and like to pay attention to those kind of things, that it's like concerts are unbearable how loud they are. We've, we've mentioned we that about before. This. I,
1: I love concerts, as you know. That's why mm-hmm. I like live sound. But I am very, I am always in hearing protection mode. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, there's no. I'm not rolling the window down on the highway. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, even if at the theater that I work at, if we have to like build a set, like my earplugs are in or my in ears. Yeah. I'll just use these as earplugs sometimes because they're just.
0: Yeah, no, my I, person, that shows I um, use my in ears as, as plugs all the
1: time. And I, you know, I did my friendly neighborhood Facebook PSA a couple months ago where someone just made a post where it's like, earplugs are $30 for pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. Like, wear them. The tweet was just, wear earplugs to shows. Wear earplugs to shows. Yeah. Wear earplugs to shows. And someone that I used to work with commented, like, I refuse to, and I will go deaf and die happy. And I, I, it was on my, you know, yeah, my, but that's the thing. It was on don't... my pro audio page where mm-hmm. I it was really hard for me, and this is my podcast. Like yeah. I said, it was like, Do you know how fucking dumb that is? Yeah, that it's... would be like, I love movies, so I just stare into lights all
0: day. <laughs> well, I... But I think the biggest thing is, like, you don't just go deaf, you're gonna have tinnitus for the longest time. It's you're gonna be dealing with so many things that's prior to you actually then being deaf.
1: The worst part about these cold February 1987 months is that, uh. <laughs> My and I'm gonna say it funny because I, I I was recently enlightened that it's I'm pretty sure it's pronounced tinnitus.
0: No, go go screw yourself. I'm gonna call it tinnitus because I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> the Okay. All right. Here we go. I think this is gonna be history, man. This is gonna be the first thing that we're gonna have this argument. I I don't even want to be proven wrong. I'm I, just going gonna, gonna to be a, like a true American, and I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. It's tinnitus. And I don't care what Merriam-Webster I, says. I
1: want it to be tinnitus so bad. Yeah. But I don't care. Yeah. I, I was listening to a- oh, I'm I, getting tinnitus now for myself yelling in my own ears. I was Woo. listening to a podcast with an audiologist, and they mm-hmm. said it is pronounced tinnitus.
0: Yeah, what the hell does an audiologist yeah. mean? <laughs> what does an eight-year degree fucking mean? <laughs> ah, screw yourself. Anyway, I hate this. Have you ever put your ear next to a subwoofer that's blasting at 180 decibels? No. Then what kind of scientist are you, really?
1: Yeah, fuck you, drunken frat boy who harassed <laughs> us at a gig once and put his ear up to the subwoofer and said, I don't hear anything, so I hit the kick drum.
0: Oh, my God, I remember that. That was great. And then his face, oh, Yo, my God.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I committed a crime that yeah, day. I assaulted someone that That was, you did, that that was day. assault. That I, was
0: definitely assault.
1: Yeah, but it happened in like 1964,
0: so I'm beyond, <laughs> I'm beyond the... Uh... Dude, I really wish I could go back in time and experience some of those those days prior to them having this like the kind of rigs we have now, where yeah. it was like, no, they literally had like eight 4x12s on stage to project volume. Dude, I was watching an old Frank Zappa concert, yeah. and holy shit, when his guitar comes in, it was mic'd up, but you could just tell, like, like you can tell how loud a signal is, even when it's been compressed and whatever, because yeah. there's just a... There's a velocity to it. Yeah. That it's just like, even like listening to my phone, my face went, whoo. I guess yeah. it was just he was ripping. I think we mentioned that before. I think it was Pete Townsend or somebody said something like, You've never lived until you've been on stage and it's been so loud that the air that's being pushed by the speakers is pushing you off the stage. Like
1: that's yeah, again, I would like to experience that once with the best ear. Plugs in and then construction could, headphones we could just over like, top. We could set up
0: like maybe here or maybe not here. No,
1: I'm not listening to Click Click Boom.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I refuse. I was going to say That's we could set cut. up. That is a deep cut right there. For anybody in the know, Click Click Boom is one of the greatest songs of all time. But um, we could do like a setup where I could bring all over all of my cabinets. I could run like four Marshall heads, all 100 watts, and just we could rip it and put your drums through like a big PA and just tell everyone, like, everyone within a five-mile radius, like, don't call the cops on us. We're, We're doing testing. something. We're testing something.
1: Yeah, but I, I don't know uh, this if this is true for you, but when it gets cold, my ear ringies get a little more extreme.
0: Oh, yeah. I uh, think it's... I'm gonna make a completely uneducated assumption and guess, but like the air pressure does change yeah. when it gets colder, right? You know the air. Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I feel like that's probably why.
1: Yeah, I lose a little bit of high end like fidelity mm-hmm. in my ear naturally.
0: And... <laughs> so don't hire you in the months of January through March.
1: <laughs> no, I mean it's not like why do Adam's mixes always turn darker in those times. No, they'd be bright as shit because I'd be Kanye's oh, yeah. yeah. You're, yeah. <laughs> no, I I don't think it's I don't think it's. It's noticeable, but it's not degrading. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like my the top end just goes away for a little bit, and then like
0: by the time March happens, it's just like oh yep, it's back. Do you ever notice if like if you listen to music like immediately after you've woken up and maybe you haven't gotten enough sleep, things sound faster. Yeah. What is that I phenomenon? It's so bizarre. I remember when we were uh, Marzi Maddox is uh, our last record, and one morning I, I put it on. And it was, like, right after I woken up, and I immediately called Matt, and I was like, dude, what the fuck did we do? I was like, we played this song so fast. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, I'm listening to it right now. Like, it's really fast. And he's like, dude, like, call me. He's like, take 30. He's like, did you just wake up? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, that happens to me, too. And he's like, yeah. wait, like, 30 minutes. Like, put the TV on. Just get your ears, like, situated. And I went back and listened to him. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I can't go direct. Yeah, Like, first thing it, in the morning, I'll have to put it on through, like, our Sonos system or it something. It was so and just... crazy. I, I, Like, all the years of listening to music, I never noticed that. Yeah, and then I, like I think it's just because shit. it was my music that I was, like, a lot more keyed in. I was like, what the hell?
1: It might happen to you because you're a guitar player. It's happened to me as a drummer. Whereas if I'm working on complex exercises that focus on my left hand, mm-hmm. even though my click is mono my brain will interpret it as to go into a different like it will it will turn like panned, like oh, because so you kind of focusing. focusing yeah that's
0: interesting not so much as a guitar player cuz you really i rarely at this point ever break down like left and right hand mm-hmm. like when i first started i would because i didn't have but now it's like i kind of need to do both things so that doesn't really happen when i'm practicing um, i was just curious cuz it happened to me once i, I was like freak the fuck out no i'd say yeah, no, I've never really experienced that. But it makes sense, though. I could totally see that happening. Speaking of hearing, I did get... I finally picked
1: up my headphones that I ordered to the wrong house. And I'm scared to listen to my old mixes.
2: Oh,
0: I know, They right? sound...
1: I'll I... let you listen when we're done. There's so much depth to them, it's ridiculous.
0: To your old mixes or to the headphones? <laughs> Hopefully both, but... I, you know, I don't mind listening to old mixes. Um, I, I don't necessarily always will go and put them on, just be like, hey, I want to listen to this. But if they, if they pop up or someone's like, hey, you know, because I... I am very proud to say that pretty much everything I've worked on, I really like. I like the artists that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. I really like their songs. Um, So I do enjoy listening to them and I think that's why I beat the shit out of myself so much because I'm like, I want this to sound a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think I I do. I'm still at that point where I just, I beat the shit out of myself when I'm mixing and so I think even when I send it out and I finally go, I need to just send this out and the band might say, this is great, this is awesome. When I go back and listen to it after like a year or six months, it is always better than I remember it. it yeah. still I could still critique it. I'm not saying like it's perfect but it's just it's definitely better than how I felt about it when I when I sent it out because it was like fuck. It's just not where I you know wish it could be. Yeah. Um, and then I listened back to it and I'm like you know what? This really isn't that bad. This is yeah. actually really good. You know? Of course I can still hear improvements because constantly improving. evolving yeah but it's like okay i don't mind i can look at it because i think i'm just so negative <laughs> yeah um but fortunately my clients are always just like dude sounds great I'm like okay well yeah you guys think it yeah you, you fucking idiots yeah what are you, you what, are, what are, you doing are you trusting me what are you doing paying me <laughs> like
1: <laughs> if you had any sense you would go with
0: anybody else but I know they're gonna listen to me like maybe we should find a different engineer it sounds like he's gonna yeah. It's like such an. I don't.
1: I'm, I don't mean it in an ego stroking way, but it's like even with like live stuff that I mix, like people always come up, mm-hmm. especially shout out to my boy Mike Calandrelli.
0: Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh,
1: every time I see him, he's always and I'm mixing. He's like, I'm gonna sit here because it's gonna sound good. Dude, and, you you and are be a great like,
0: live engineer. This sounds like poop. Yeah, no, your guys, is, your whole ASP crew is fucking great. Like I I've shout said out it to before. the brand just because it's just like it's so pleasing to listen to live. I feel like it's. Yeah, I feel like, you know, a lot of times, like, you know, when you go into the studio to make a record, it's always, like, bands, and uh, we've all been there, we're like, I want to recapture our live feel, but I always feel, like, the opposite way when I go to a show, like, I wish it sounded like the record, because generally mm-hmm. it's just a fucking wall of noise, and I'm like, I yeah. like it still, because I can feel it, and I get to see the band, but when I, whenever I go to any shows that ASP is running, it's always like, oh, it feels like a studio mix in a way, like, I can yeah. hear the details, I can pay attention to what's going on, instead of just being, like, holding onto my seat, because yeah. I'm getting my face ripped off.
1: Uh, so over the summer I worked at the other the Totem Pole Theater mm-hmm. um because my buddy Josh is their tech director, production man, tech director. He's something, he's important there. Yeah. And he'll he'll tell me <laughs> every time I see him at one of my other jobs, he'll be like people have just like randomly called in and be like this is the best that stuff has sounded. Dude, that's and awesome. I was like just like patrons and yeah. He's like some lady who's been coming to every single show since like it opened in 1968 or something just <laughs> like it sounded so good this year. I was like, yeah, tell, tell me. me more, tell me more. <laughs> I mean, stop it, but you know, keep it
0: coming. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies. So, yeah, we should probably... Are we segwaying? Are we doing this? Are we getting into overheads? We're a focus. What's your favorite brand of symbols? Oh,
1: uh, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, I would have been like, I'm going to get a Sabian tattoo and go <laughs> fuck yourself if you disagree. Uh, one, their new logo, and this is not my joke... Uh, but, uh, there's a, a famous-ish drummer that we have both watched his reaction videos on YouTube a lot hey, of, oh yeah, and yeah. he has made, he's brought it to my attention that the new Sabian logo looks like it belongs in Sabrina the Teenage Witch.
0: I haven't seen it.
1: Oh, it's so bad. Oh, man. Because the old logo was a classic where it just said Sabian and then it had the, like, the semicircles yeah. to be the, the uh-huh. symbol. Oh, Oh, I don't know where my symbol bag. I cleaned up. In here. I, I, I know don't know. The, where I know any... what
0: the the original logo is. I haven't seen the new one. Oh my though. god! And I don't. I don't want to trash them because I. Yeah. I love their product. Dude, I've heard some great Sabian symbols. I think. Um, I have a Sabian ride that I somehow acquired years and years ago, and it's it's great. Um, I am a Meinl boy. I love
1: Meinl. I just I don't have the like. If I'm going to jump, the thing I like about Sabian is that they're very durable. Mm-hmm. So if you especially. If you were like, okay, uh, my band's going on tour, we don't have a budget, we have enough budget to buy a new set of cymbals, and I don't want them to break, I'd be like, Sabian Sabian. has your back. I was going to say,
0: too, that, uh, not to trash talk, but have you experienced that? I have seen so many Zildjian cymbals break. Yeah. I feel like, and maybe it's maybe it is just because it just happens that there's the certain drummers that play them. But I swear to God, dude, I have seen so many drummers with either broken Zildjian cymbals or I've seen them break. And yeah, and I love
1: But I like the way they sound. Those K customs yeah. do be sounding good. But uh, yeah, for for the home recording sense, I would say Sabian. Brandon, the uh, the ability of the podcast. Uh, Sabian's probably your best bet because you get the airiness that comes from the Zildjian. Because the guy who started Sabian used to work for Zildjian. He was one of the Zildjian oh, Yeah, he was one of the Zildjian I did not brothers. Know that. Yep. Uh, and he, this, from my understanding, and I could be very wrong, is basically he found out a new way to probably make symbols more durable. Mm-hmm. And the other brothers didn't want to divert from the way
0: that Zildjian had been making symbols since Well, the when you think about it, if you make it more durable, yeah. then you're not buying a new one. Because, dude, yeah. I mean, my, one of my old drummers, he had this... Um, old logo? Yeah, old logo, okay. It almost kind of reminds me of, like, a menorah. <laughs> I don't know why. But one of my old drummers had uh, this beautiful Aww. Zildjian crash, and he broke it three times! Wait, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Shane's calling me. Shane.
1: Shane! Wait, hang on, hang on, give me one second. Okay. You're live on our podcast, Say Hi to Phoenix.
2: Hey, Phoenix. What's going on, man?
0: Not much. How you doing, Shane?
2: Good, brother. Good to hear your voice, man. Yeah, How good to know?
0: hear you, too.
2: So, Adam, I, re- I, um, I recommended you
1: for a drum tech job. Oh.
2: my oh. buddy, Mateus. I don't know if you saw I tagged you in it on Facebook.
1: No. Uh,
2: you should reach out to him.
1: Okay.
2: He, he has legit... I don't know if he has the tour sorted now, because this was like two days ago. Okay. But you should get at him. So
1: Alrighty. Uh, if get at See
2: the tag. I'll give you his name is Mateus. He's a uh, Swedish. He's awesome. Okay, He's the, my Viking
1: friend. All right, <laughs> but, but he tours with some pretty heavy, heavy like younger
2: bands. Um, but they're all legit tours, like bus tours. So oh, or at least a bandwagon, like legit.
1: Well, that's so, that's delightful. That's news. exciting.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess this call is half that and half of... um, Okay, I'm having a huge brain fart about a band. I cannot remember their name. Dave has them on vinyl and listens to them all the time. They're heavier. Is it Gojira? Uh, Thank you, Gojira. (laughs) Uh, Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
2: Yeah, I'm sharing music with a friend right now, and it was escaping me so i gotta go down the gojira tunnel with him now
1: new album disappointing
2: oh, i haven't 14. listened to it yet yeah i haven't listened to it yet but i feel like it's going to be hard to top the last one so yeah I'm trying to keep an open mind
1: <laughs> yeah
2: that would be it, 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 they have peaked but i don't want to believe that <laughs>
1: <laughs> how do you think how do you think i feel
2: i know brother I oh know.
1: do you want to hear just... the funniest and worst thing you've ever heard
2: Of course,
1: yes. Uh, So every time I die, broke up.
2: I did hear that, yeah.
1: Uh, You want to guess what happened on Saturday? This past Saturday?
2: What happened this Saturday?
1: I got a sick-ass-every-time-I-die tattoo. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Where
1: Where is it? Uh, In the ditch of my elbow?
2: Okay, cool. I was just making sure it wasn't, like, across your chest or anything. <laughs> no.
1: And then I got I got my booster yesterday, and the, the nurse tech was like, that's a sick tattoo. And I was like, I don't want to talk about it.
2: <laughs> it's a lot. I'm sorry. I got a little sad.
1: I'm Going sad. through a lot right now.
2: <laughs> oh, buddy. I'm sorry.
1: It's fine. Sorry.
2: Well, Co- hey, I didn't mean to interrupt your
1: podcast, but. Um, no, it's all good. Maybe you'll have to be on it one day. Yes, that'd be awesome. Yeah, dude, let's do it. I'm totally down. In let's, person. Let's so. do
2: it. Let's yeah, let's do it in person, and let's um, you know, let's catch up before so the next time we do it, we can talk about like stuff instead of like, oh my god, we got to catch
1: up. <laughs> I haven't talked to you in eighteen months or whatever. <laughs> exactly, exactly,
2: exactly. Word. Right. Hey, Phoenix. Glad to hear. Glad to hear you're around and doing well, man. I heard the stuff that you were doing with. Um, you were jamming with uh, Bobby's son for a
0: while, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, I did a show with them. I think we're gonna. I think I'm gonna yeah. be playing bass on a recording for them soon too. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Stuff's turning out awesome.
0: Yeah, man, it'll be good. To, it'll be good to talk to you. So that'll be really fun.
2: For sure. All right. Take care, guys.
0: You too. Right, you, I
1: will. Uh, thanks for the recommendation. I'll uh, I'll reach out when we're done with this, and uh, then I will thank you by buying you a drink or something.
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, no worries, man. Um, I'll I'll always throw your name out there. Sweet. Yes, with the touring industry the way it is right now, it's going to be few and far between for a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's that's where things are at. Yeah. So, all
2: right,
0: brother. All Talk right. Talk soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, that was that was awesome. That was fun. This is what we bring. We will we will answer phone calls next. When my uh, I almost said podiatrist. What is that? Is that a foot doctor? No. I don't know. I don't
1: know. Did I show you the Sabian logo yet?
0: No, you didn't show me that one. I don't even know where we were at. We were... Oh, uh, yeah. the, the new Sabian logo. New Sabian logo. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I I feel like that could have been cool if they did like a like a, a, special run of symbols and it was like, check out the new logo for them. Like exclusive, exclusive like a brand yeah. run. Yeah. It reminds me, it looks kind of like the old um, like 80s Japanese movie fonts, you know? Like yeah. Godzilla. Uh, yeah, I just mm. yeah yeah. I'm Can we do player. that accent? Do I have to cut that out? No, we're fine. All right.
1: Yeah, all right. Sidetracked drum tech opportunity. Yeah. That would be that cool. was cool.
0: I don't have a passport though. Yeah, well, you might want to go get one. I should probably go get one. Good thing you got boost today too. You know, yesterday, hey, hey. yeah. Look yeah, at that. Yeah. I mean, shit. I don't even know. Most countries are still just like, we're not letting anybody in. It could just be a U.S. tour. too. That would be cool but... though. Regardless, it's that's that's awesome. Um, that'd be really cool. I know. And that name sounds familiar. I mean, that's a common name. Yeah. But I feel like... Well, you are a Viking yourself, so... I feel like I know a Mateus that's in, like, a Swedish metal band. Okay. Um, so, that'd be cool. Yeah. I wouldn't hide in your luggage. Living the dream. Living the dream. But, minor symbols are my go-to. I, I love them. I love Anybody them. that brings them in, I love it, I love it, I love it. I feel like they yep. just have a wide range of airiness to darkness. Yeah. I will say, though... That I have yet to hear any minor symbols that can give you that kind of explosive, kind of thrashiness that, like, Sabian and Zildjian, some Sabian and Zildj- yeah. Zildjian have. Do
2: you um, know what I'm talking
0: about? I, 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 I know don't want exactly to use, I don't wanna use the word trashy because that sounds negative, but there is that kind of trashy, like, dumpster feel to some of their symbols that I love and I think is really appropriate for minor yeah on heavier music and on on I, almost all minor symbols they all have this polished sound, which yeah. I love for almost ninety nine percent of stuff but I feel like they just don't have they, that's where yeah. they're missing um i I think that's a
1: big pro for their their brand though because i I try to avoid symbols that are marketed as like it will cut through the mix because right? it just means <laughs> that when you're recording it that the symbols are going to be so fucking loud, yeah. and they're going to project so much, which is good live a little bit, I mm-hmm. guess. But I prefer slightly darker symbols that you can hit hard, and yep. then if you need the impact, you
0: can get it from the microphone levels. Dude, that's—I mean, I had a drummer once. I bring in like a collection of symbols and be like, "Well, I really love the sound of these, but they're just really quiet." I'm like, "Dude, we're in the studio, bro. This yeah, is perfect." Like, yeah, it's like that's fine. I was like, because quiet when it comes to symbols is not quiet as in like. You know, an unplugged electric guitar. Right. <laughs> this was like, I was like, dude, no, this is going to be great. Um, I actually, uh, 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 I forget what I was going with this. Let's continue. I, I was going to say something else, but I can't remember. remember. Um, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, those are my favorites. Um,
1: we'll do uh, just a brief, probably a brief synopsis of cymbals. So a in. symbol is a piece of metal that <laughs> has been uh, melted down. It is uh, a some sort of copper tin alloy. <laughs> uh, you know, I have those in my notes. They're uh, generally in a circular, in a circular shape. Circular shape. They make uh, Sabian made the octagon, which was cool. It was it's in the octagon. shape of an o- of an octagon. Oh, that sounded horrible. It actually sounded pretty cool. Did it? Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, they should make triangular symbols. They look like Doritos. Your most common symbols are your hi hats, your rides, your crashes, your splashes, your chinas. Uh, get to know them and what they do and how they sit in a mix. Um... Um, symbol types, uh, your, your most common high end is a B20 bronze, which is 80% copper and 20% uh, tin um, it's also known as bell bronze which are some of my mm. favorite types of snares yeah. um, you know, those are your Sabian AAs HHs, AAX HHXs, Zildjian As, Ks your Minel Byzances and stuff like that um, try to avoid lower end B8 symbols uh, they're your kind of entry-level ones. Uh, they don't really have any definition, and they're just... They look like big pennies, you know? Yeah. Like the Sabian B8s, the Zildjian ZBTs. Like, they work when you're getting into it, and... They just kind of have this... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't really Frequency. sustain. They just kind of, like, hit and dip. Yeah. Um, for, a you know, a pro-level recording. Like, if it's all you have, obviously, make it work, and there's uh, definitely workarounds. I know certain cymbal manufacturers have done, like, pro-level B8s, um... Like the Paiste 202 or 2002 series I think there's a minor byzance I think the drummer for Mastodon his is a b8 ride okay. but I, I they they're not just rolling it a sheet of metal out mm-hmm. and lathing it to be a symbol. they're probably hammering that and adding more texture to it yeah um yeah, just a- avoid them when necessary um, they just don't really sound great
0: don't, don't add a lot.
1: Yeah, uh, Sabian tried to do the APX series, like, 10 or 12 years ago, and that was their pro-level, like... And they're just... The pro-level B8 cymbals are bright and cutting mm-hmm. and everything that they're advertised to be, but it's... A lot. It's exhausting. Uh,
0: yeah. I think that's 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 one of the things that I, I look for. They're
1: Like, I know a lot of the, the peisty roods are also B8 mm-hmm. bronze, and it's just, like, there's just not a great symbol tonality to them. Like, you know, they're commonly referred to as... Uh, I mean, like, a lot of, like, the death metal guys, like, the, the peisty roots, which is ironic because I'm going to say I'm not a big fan, but then one of my
0: overhead sounds is there's a lot of peisty roots <laughs> on that. But I just we'll don't like cymbals that are really exhausting to listen to. Yeah. Like, because they're going to be hit repetitively most of the time, mm-hmm. you know, if within a certain, within a short period of time, they're going to be hit a lot, and so if there's certain frequency buildups that happen just naturally in those, of course, you can always try to EQ cut, but it's still going to be a tonality that... It's just exhausting to listen to. Yeah, I try to avoid those and find ones that like you know when you're testing them out, like don't just have the drummer hit it one time. Yeah, like, like no, hit it a couple times for me so I can hear how that buildup is going to sound. Play a groove, yeah, or something. yeah, in a room and then mic it up and see like okay, now is the mic picking up anything else?
1: Not for my home recording references, but for my my PA system, mm-hmm. like I have a playlist of, that I just call Rig Test. Yeah, um, and it starts with songs that I know and I I, I know how the PA needs to be shaped. And then on the tail end of that playlist is songs that I. There are frequency ranges from certain things that I, instruments that I don't like, so mm-hmm. I will play those as well to hear how the PA is going to react
0: to those nasty build-ups yeah. and stuff. So
1: yeah. there's a couple albums that I I love all the songs on, but like, the, either the hi hat is like painfully bright <laughs> or, or the kick
0: drum is the loudest yeah. thing on there and it's like covering the vocals, but you're like still a good record. Yeah. So. All right, let's talk about. Which which we go on to next? Should we talk about miking? Yeah, we'll miking overheads,
1: microphones, and the miking of mic overheads. Microphones. And
0: um, I yeah. only use dynamic microphones to mic overheads. <laughs> no, your common, your most common choices when doing overheads are going to be small diaphragm condensers or large diaphragm condensers. I'd say those are the most common. Yeah, um, but there are small diaphragms also commonly referred to as pencil condensers. Yep. Yeah. Do you have uh, a preference? Depends on I, yeah, I know what I'm really going depends. for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I've definitely been sitting in the, the large diaphragm condenser area right now. I feel like I get a little more body. To yeah, the I get symbols. a
1: little more usable body, I should <sighs> yeah, say. Yeah, usable body. And you get a little bit more detail. I want de- you to use this body. <laughs> de- detail. Um, I hope Shane's drummer buddy wants to use this model. are you kidding me <laughs> he's listening to this now nope we're not bringing him um uh I forget where, oh um yeah I think it's cause it's like a, a bigger capsule so it's yeah, like it's more slower to react yeah. um I like small caps but they are a little bit more punchy mm-hmm. and not as detailed small caps still sound great Fan, no, they like, still sound I, great but there is something about uh large caps on overheads um I need a – the overheads that I've been using, that like large-cap overheads, have been getting me by, but that's I, I do need a good pair of
0: – I feel like – this could just be with the experience that I have with the microphones that I've mm-hmm. used. I feel like when it comes to them being in a mix, I feel like small diaphragm condensed overheads will kind of – you can blend them in a little bit more because they're, I feel like there's a little less body, usable body, a little less detail mm-hmm. that they kind of will just sit back, you're not gonna notice them they're there yeah. whereas large diaphragm condensers give you a little bit more stuff that if you're really trying to capture like the particular sound of those symbols mm-hmm. and use those for like an artistic choice and not yeah. just like hey we need the overheads in there and I gotta find a way to fit them in the mix yeah. like large diaphragm condensers will give you more of like oh wow the overheads are supposed to be paid attention to they're not just this frequency that's just filling a space I don't know that could just be the way that I've yeah experienced that it makes sense um
1: uh, yeah. For smaller rooms, I mean, maybe a large cap won't be like you know a really low ceiling basement room. Like yeah. the large cap's probably not going to be your friend. That's true. Um, just because of you'll probably have some phase issues, mm-hmm. and it'll pick up so much detail that it's yeah. Like this uh, is a
0: pretty low ceiling in here.
1: Yeah, but that's all. All of my drop ceiling is actually just compressed fiberglass. So ah, it's so no. It's cool. really no different than putting you know, a sound panel over the whole wall. I mean, it's not... Or the whole ceiling. Mm -hmm. It's not super thick. Like, my my panels are two or three inch thick, Mm -hmm. and that's only half an inch, but Uh, it is...
0: It's a little bit. bit. Yeah.
1: So, these aren't too bad. I've gotten some... Actually, some of my favorite home drum sounds out of... Dude, I've loved some of the drums Uh,
0: drums we've gotten from here.
1: uh, But, yeah, I guess for more... Heavy-hitting stuff, I'm probably going to go with a small cap mm-hmm. just because the drums will be more aggressive. Yeah. But if, you know, I need some, like, smoother, vibey or stuff, probably large caps. But then there's great hardcore mix engineers that use large caps. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really just— But they probably have slightly higher ceilings than I have. So I have this weird thing with a low ceiling, and we'll get it into it later in this episode, where I've been digging running a mono overhead mm-hmm. and some spot mics and then getting my overall drum sound from the rooms. Yeah, that's really cool. So I'll bring the rooms up first for the drum sound and then I'll tuck in the overheads and then I'll go to direct
0: mics. Yeah, kind no, of... I've been kind of approaching not necessarily my drum mixes, but a lot of my stuff where the bands playing live, really yeah. trying to use the room. Because wow. I think we can kind of, we don't need to necessarily break this up into overheads and then rooms we can kind of just talk a little bit about both yeah we were um, gonna do that and it was just unnecessary yeah because it's kind of like it can be pretty a little difficult i feel like once you have a full mix going to discern like well Mm. what is the overheads and what's the rooms because they're meant to blend in with each other they're meant to
1: yeah
0: um ribbons work great for overheads too i just don't own a pair of i've never used i only have a i have a single ribbon mic so i've never used that as an overhead i've got the royer r10 yeah i love that as a room mic. it um I don't know. It's got this punchiness to it that I really like. There's a there's a little bit of a boominess and that's just my room. That's just the room the way I have the yeah. room positioned. Um that's also a good um But it it's a it's body. It's really nice. It kind of reminds me of the it gives you that room sound that I feel like I hear on a lot of like old Zeppelin records.
1: Yeah, it's cool. I for a ribbon mic, I like to actually have it um as a ribbon as a room mic. I don't like it pointing at the kit. Mm-hmm. I'll mic the walls on the side so you actually mic just oh, the room, nice. Or turn it sideways so it's miking the floor and the ceiling. That's so cool. like the main kit is in the null point of the figure eight pickup pattern, mm-hmm. and then you're just miking it for ambience. That's really cool. I that's, dig that. That's a good way to also get a stereo image
0: out of one input too. Because okay. you can always duplicate it. And... I am also a big fan of the 47 as a room mic. Um, yeah, I've been. I have a clone of one that has been lent to me. We've also used your. Um, Yours is not the tube version, right? You've got the no, warm audio, the Fet, FET version. Because yeah, um,
1: I wanted it specifically for a kick out. Yeah,
0: and that sounds great, as a kick out. Right. But I feel like we've used that as a room before, and it also sounds really great.
1: Yeah, I would do like that close room, that omni kit front mm-hmm. thing. But before we dive too heavily into rooms, because we both love drum room mics, let's yeah, talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some overhead placements.
0: Put them in the drummer's butt. Yep, and you're good to go. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's quite a few. You could do an XY pattern over top of the drummer's head. You could do a spaced pair. Um, you've got the, uh, was the Glenn Johns technique? I mean, that's not really overheads, so that's kind
1: of... Uh, for limited inputs, it's yeah. definitely. Yeah, so, you know, your stereo spaced pair is gonna be, you know, far apart, both of the microphones pointing pretty much directly down at the drum kit. Yeah. With...
0: How do you like to set up your space pair? How do you where do you what point do you pick as the 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 center point to then make them um, equidistant?
1: Kinda depends. Um, if I'm recording a a snare that sits better in the mix, if it's a, a good player or just a mm-hmm. good drum choice where the snare is pretty balanced, I try to get the snare to be my center image. Yeah. Um, but if it's one of those where like there's so much snare in this overhead that it's going to mask the the cymbal sounds. Mm-hmm. I'll sometimes use my space pair almost as like overheads for the toms as well. Okay. So I'll point them at the toms so you can get the, your tom panning pretty accurate. Nice. Um, I've been I haven't really done a whole lot with XY on the home front just mm-hmm. because I don't have a
0: mic stand that's oh, like do- the, yeah, strong stand enough to clip. hold yeah. two.
1: Uh, I, no, I have a stereo bar. They came oh, with do? They came okay. with my SE-5s, phenomenal small cap microphones.
0: Oh, yeah, those are great. Which is why I've never felt the need to really... It's one of the things, I like my center point to be, I've, I draw like an dia- a imaginary diagonal line between mm-hmm. the kick and the snare, and I yeah. create that as my center point so that they are hopefully both, if they're being hit yeah. relatively at a, a consistent volume level, that they're both then sent, roughly centered between the two overhead space pair. Yeah. I also I go for a really wide overhead sound. I noticed at least maybe it's been different, um, but when I've listened to those drum recordings that we did here a while ago, mm-hmm. the overheads and I don't mean narrow as in like wow they're really narrow, but just compared to I think my preference was like whoa these like even when you even when you pan them out wide they have a yeah. more narrow sound. And I can't remember what exactly we did.
1: We um, for the the two chiller songs for that session we did run a mono overhead. Okay, was a mono U eighty seven, and then we used your four fourteen or two fourteens as kind of the stereo width yeah because those chiller songs had a little bit more of a vintage vibe so mm-hmm. i thought that would be cool i've been digging mono ish
0: overheads yeah um well and then i guess you also said that you also like to bring the your your overheads inside the kit a little more i like to kind of have them either maybe not centered over the cymbals but maybe mm-hmm. even a little bit wider out um, yeah, yeah and i think that kind of gives me a, a width that i do like but then again i've, I've been experimenting a little bit more yeah. recently Trying to, I just do that live so much, you know, out on the outside of the Mm -hmm. kit that it it gets.
1: I could confidently dial in a drum sound that way, yeah. But you know, just I like to mix it up. No, I try not to. And I think that's why
0: I'm kind of I'm doing the opposite thing now. I'm like, okay, maybe I don't like it as wide. Maybe I'll go smaller depending on the. Yeah, I think it depends on the song too. I think as you know, if I can be. Depending on the band, you know, if we can do mm-hmm. some good pre-production and I can get to really know the songs beforehand, because sometimes you got you've got bands that come in that are just like, you know, they don't even really know what they want, and so you yeah. kind of have to figure it out as you go, which I really don't recommend. I always yeah. really recommend sit down with the band, try to find a way that like if you can come over there, come over to their rehearsal space, listen to their songs, make some demo recordings, you know, so you can really learn the songs and figure out where do I want everything. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of important. And I think it makes for a better record when the engineering is a little bit different between each song. I always yeah. find that fun when it's like, oh, hey, that's, it's cohesive, but it's just a little, yeah, yeah. It's cohesive because it's the same band, the same instruments, same time period. And same I think, session you know, probably, I think when you master yeah. it too, I think whenever you get it sent mastering, I think that's what's so important about mastering mm-hmm. is for an album, It one guy will make sure it all kind of blends together, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah so you, uh, you can do X, Y, um, if you to have prevent a lot of phasing. If you, yeah, that's um, great because I, I, you know, if you line the capsules up, and it mm-hmm. looks like, oh just the the letter V, and mm-hmm. the bottom where the two lines interconnect is the capsule of your microphones, and it might push your center, your snare image a little back in the mix, but yeah, um, or you can do the ORTF stereo miking thing, which I had to pull up on Wikipedia to pronounce. It is the uh, <laughs> Office Day. Radio diffusion television francais.
0: I never knew what it's for.
1: Yeah. Um I like that as an overhead. That is very really nice. Um yeah. so basically take your you know, the the V shape of the XY like mm-hmm. thing and you invert it so the capsules are still or basically take an A and scribble out the middle part and so the uh the back end of your mics are almost touching. Yeah. And then there's a specific like degree at the angle and is. width apart. um you don't have to follow it completely i think they do it that way cuz it is like the average
0: like length between
1: human's ears
0: oh okay that's really cool yeah yeah do you ever i sometimes I will like get that. a measuring tape out and i'll i'll actually do like a distance and make sure that like it's exact and then other times i'll just kind of eyeball it i think it depends on what i'm the room, the player. There's the a room, lot of factors. I think also then there's the style of music too, where it's kinda like, oh, yeah. I really want a a precise mm-hmm. I feel like doing I feel like, you know, when you get into like the tech metal stuff, and I feel like even if it doesn't really make a difference, there is something about just kind of yeah. having that mindset as you're going. It's like we're gonna we're gonna measure this shit out, you know, because we already did it with the music. We're gonna do it with the recording and be like, this has gotta be exactly five and a half feet, you know, all yeah. that kind of stuff. I try to um, when yeah. I can
1: just because I don't want to have to deal with phase problems in post, mm-hmm. um, I'll do that. But you know, and then you can in post. I'll typically add a sample delay to my snare, mm-hmm. so it hits the overheads at the same time. time. Like, yeah. yeah. So I'll delay
0: it a little bit. Yeah. No. I always. That's probably like the first thing I do is I always am checking my mm-hmm. my kick and my snare phase with yeah. my overheads and rooms. Yeah. Yeah. Out of phase rooms are not fun. Not at all. Or they can be. They can be can fun.
1: Yeah. But for the most part, get, get it right. Get it right. Yeah, so then I guess the the next part really kind of depends on inputs and needs
0: is uh, spot mics. What are you typically spot in here? Honestly, these days, for a lot of the stuff I'm working on, I'm not spot micing at all. Um, That's fair. I will really only spot mic if the drummer has a lot of cymbals mm-hmm. and there is a... Again, with like more like the techie stuff, where there's generally a lot more symbols. Whereas if I'm doing more of just the regular rock and roll, probably just re- rock and a pair of overheads, and then if the song calls for it, a hi hat mic. Yep. Um, That's fair. Just to be, if he's going to be laying on that hi hat a lot, then you know I want that articulation. I want to get a yep. lot of that, you know, the interesting things that they might be doing on the hi hat, and also then just to get it placed better, mm-hmm. um, so that I can bring it forward and back without entire overhead track going forward and back um just to kind of push the dynamics of the song a little Mm -hmm. bit more um but other than that no I'll I'll spot Mike maybe a China if if that's gonna be hit a few times in the song um if it's a song that's got a very intricate ride part like where they're hitting the bell and it's not just like ding 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 ding, but there's gonna be a lot of interesting rhythmic things going on there I might spot Mike that um I don't think I've ever spot Mike to Crash um yeah, I don't... I'll spot mic like a splash or maybe a stack, any... I would say
1: spot micing a stack in tech genres mm-hmm. is very important because yeah. a lot of times that carries the groove. Yeah, exactly. And good luck automating those overheads up if you haven't spot mic'd them. Oh, yeah, like, no, you're scared. Um, you know, if you have the inputs, definitely... I mean, you know, you don't have to use the mic that you record, but it's a good fail-safe. Yeah, just to have it. Yeah, because like I said, like in this room, short ceilings... Um, I'm running a mono head, mono overhead for the most part, mm-hmm. Just mixing it up a little bit, and then I'll spot mic my hats and my ride or whatever, yeah. and then, because it's all going to bleed into my rooms anyway, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I don't know why I started doing that. I just got bored one day, and I was like, I wonder if I just, you know, put center image of my drum kit, because you can always pan the toms out. I'm going to run a wide set of stereo rooms, and then a couple mono rooms, and Record more than I need to, because yeah. I can't, just because I finally have inputs now, and it's just fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, totally. But, yeah, for, like, your home budget setup, you know, I recommend the mono overhead stereo
0: room approach Yeah, sometimes. no, I do dig that. I don't think it's perfect for some specific applications, but for general purpose, yeah. I, I dig it. Um, it's got a unique vibe to it. It's it's yeah. it's fun. Yeah. Um, do you have anything more you want to say about overheads? Because I feel like I'm getting to a point where I kind of want to talk about rooms and how they relate to the overheads. Uh, yeah, that's probably I, my next. Know, I feel like, so as a general statement, the overheads, like we said, you kind of are really getting that, that white noise sound from. And because you're trying to get the rest of the kit, mm-hmm. a lot of times you're trying to get that low end out of there. Um, yeah. That then your room track is... In regards to your overheads, I'm not even going to talk about the room yet in regards to the rest of the shells, but just for the overheads to tie this together. I feel like that's then where you can get a lot more of your body back into your overheads, and that's where you can then also, I feel like it adds a lot more of the depth back in um, to the overheads and gets you a lot of that. Some of my songs on here I really, I picked because of their, the balance between the overhead tones uh, of the cymbals, but then like, oh, there's this depth that these cymbals then Mm -hmm. have. Uh, because of the rooms, so i think it's really an important blend and i think i don't know i think you can get the best of both worlds uh in terms of your rooms providing you back some energy to your overheads but also still giving you that that the body to your kit yeah. but i think sometimes depending on the room that you have that you kind of have to pick one or the other that you're going to say mm-hmm. hey i'm going to use my rooms to add back in some body to my shells or my overheads how do you feel yeah, it, it's a it's a, f- a fight and a compromise
1: sometimes. Because mm-hmm. um, I have the inputs, I will take. I'll typically run a wide stereo thing, kind of in the corners, right here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, if I can, I'll put mics just directly below the capsule, so I can have far shell heavy things or far I got overhead cool. heavy things. Um, you know my home recording hack, and we did it for the longest time, was just an X Y set of rooms. Oh yeah, because they're gonna I love it. they're gonna be in phase. Yeah,
0: I still use that a and lot.
1: You pan them out wide, so you're not aiming at the kit. You're kind of aiming at,
0: like, you know, you're basically giving the drum set a hug
1: with mm-hmm. where the the capsules are pointed.
0: Yeah, and you, I almost kind of view it as like a triangle. That yeah. like the, the those lines where the starting at your your capsules, the lines shoot out, and the edge of the drum kit will then touch those the, lines, each, corner each corner of the, corner of the triangle. triangle. Yeah. Um, it's kind of similar to how you set up like a, your your monitors in a mix area. Yeah, your head is not actually the point of the triangle. The point of the triangle is right behind, behind your head. Your head yeah. yeah, it's kind of the same thing.
1: Same general vibe, but just if you, I guess if you there's ro- so many triangles. Rotate in
0: the, the triangles. Um, yeah,
1: I mean it's really subjective. I'm just on a I'm on a, a kick now where I like to use my rooms as the main ish drum sound.
0: Well, I mean when you think about just, it, listen it's, to drums in a room. Yeah, so. I mean that's that's the most. Everyone always talks about, like, I think we said this earlier, but, like, trying to recreate that live vibe. Like, why doesn't it sound like, you know, my drums or any of my instruments, it doesn't sound like it does live. And I feel like your room mics are the closest representation of, like, that's what your drum kit sounds it's like. Yep. You know, this is what it sounds like. This is how it feels because, again, like you said, you're not listening to a drum kit three inches away from it, you know? Right. The whole close mic sound is not a realistic sound. You know? Right. But... Your your X Y pair of rooms that's ten feet away, five feet away from the kit. like that's a good yeah. overall representation of the balance of your kit, you know. And I think I think that can be used as a really good learning tool for drummers too. I think when you pull up the mm. room track, um, like this is how you naturally like play. This, like, this is what it sounds like. Do you notice? You can point things out. Like, dude, notice your ride is screaming. You yeah. know, you need to lighten up on that. You don't need to bash the hell out of it. Or notice, dude, your kick's disappearing. Like, we yeah. can't really hear. You do need to play louder. Yeah. Um. I've I've done that before. I've played the room track because I'll pull up a mix and they're like, "This sounds great." And I'm like, "Well, we're having some issues." And I'll mute all the direct mics. It's like this is what you know. This is what this really yeah. truly sounds like. This is an accurate representation of the kit. Like we need to get this better. Mm-hmm. Um. I yeah, I love rooms. I it's it is so integral to I think creating a unique drum sound. Um, yeah, and that's why I record probably
1: too many room tracks with drums, but I like... No such thing. I just like the options of... And I'm not... Again, you're not... If you set up four or six room mics, you're not going to use all of them at once. Mm-mm. But, you know, maybe the bridge section needs to be a little bit more ambient. So you, you know, automate some things down and you just bring in this one room mic that you set up. Just... And that's your bridge drum sound, so then when you go back to the chorus or the verse, your full kit. Ca- your full mix of the kit comes back in and it just it moves further.
0: Yeah, and room mics are really cool too because you can use them like I maybe you meant it this way, but like almost as like an effects track, you know. Mm-hmm. That classic instead of doing, you know, high pass, low pass to get just the mids to create that cool filtered effect. It's like, oh no, just pull out all, you know, you're going to an intro, the intro of the song or something like that and it's just the room mics. Like yeah. that's a really cool sound. Um
1: Yeah, I think in the next episode we're going to talk about more about like trash mics is what yeah. I call them where you, they're just a randomly placed Room mic that's meant to just sound kind of dirty and distorted and not yeah. great um they're a fun effect, but they're not always necessary yeah, I would never have one rolling for the whole song. I'm not gonna like, yeah I'm not gonna burn an input to be like well use a tr- as I can use a trash mic yeah but like no de-
0: I would record definitely like a cleaner room sound if you're yeah and i I feel like the but rooms, I'm not
1: strapped for inputs
0: so. the rooms are really what give you your energy it gives your energy it gives you the character yeah um
1: Took me a while to embrace that idea. I think when we were like learning, we were so worried about getting everything clean, mm-hmm. so we never even thought about rooms. We're like, I put I record room tracks for everything,
0: yeah, guitars, basses. I might not always do a room for guitars, depending on the genre, yeah, um, but always with drums nowadays, yeah. always with drums, and even if or. I will say the other thing too is I think we can kind of tie this in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like this more might be on the next episode. When we go to talk about more of like the actual production and the processing. Mm-hmm. But uh, creating a fake room, you know, yeah, I if, I, if you, if you, don't you have do not have the inputs, I I personally for the for more of like the modern pop rock and various genres, I would prefer to have the overheads and then create a fake room. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, and creating a fake room would just be sending the shell, sending the overheads to a bus. And then processing that bus to create a fake room, you know. And with that, good
1: room, good room reverb sounds out
0: there. Yeah, they're great. I mean, I've some of the rooms, you know. Some, and that can be a trick too, if you know, with your space that you have. It is not cheap to change the sound of your room. No, and so you are going to develop a certain sound that comes from your room. Mm-hmm. That you can augment by adding reverb, you know, or just scrapping that and saying I'm gonna com- com- eh, I'm gonna create a completely different room sound. We're not even gonna record a room mic, and we're just yep. gonna I'm just gonna fake one and have a unique sound. I've but, had to do that before. Yeah, it's, just, it's not ideal, but sometimes I'll blend the two ideas together. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, instead of if I'm short on inputs or just because I know creatively I want to do that, I'll have my real room sound that might be the the room that I'm using for like the majority of the song but then as an effect I bring in a completely different mm-hmm. room and it then it puts the drums in this different space even though the direct mics are still there um, when you have a different room going it it mm-hmm. completely changes the tonality you can even do weird stuff where if you have a mono room like position it
1: way off to one side left or right audience mm-hmm. or drummer perspective we'll get into that in a minute um, and then just send it to a mono room reverb on the other side and pan them away from each other so it's they're both roomy but it's kind of different yeah just a weird kind of atmosphere and it's really unlimited there's so many odd things that you can do that aren't wrong like you know i you know that i've done a fair amount of mastering over the last couple years and i got an album that was really it was recorded really clean it was it sounded like it was you know just done in a very like I don't mean this in a mean way, but it was done in a very academic sense. Yeah. Where it's just like, here's how you record, bar none, like. Yeah, um, yeah. And they were kind of like a funky, stoner, medley-type band. Mm-hmm. And and I was mastering it, and I thought, I was like, man, these guys would sound really good. in a, Like, there's no way these guys don't sound good in a room, like, just as yeah. a band. So I I built a fake room. Yeah. And I tucked that into the mastering session, and... You know, it's not super noticeable, but it added just some length. Um, so, yeah, just because some guy in a plain black T-shirt on
0: YouTube in front of a intimately lit sound console says, <laughs> don't do this, like, you can do whatever you want. Totally. And another thing, too, is, like, also, if you do want to then go out into the real world and find different rooms... You know, if the band has the budget, go run out of space. And you're like, mm-hmm. we really want to get this room sound. Like, we had talked about doing a project together with uh, a group we were working with where we're going to use your theater. Yeah. And, and because we're like, oh, this type of like blues, rock, and roll music would be great, like on a theater stage, you know, yeah. getting that natural wood tones from that room, getting that vibe of being on a stage. Um, it would be really cool. Instead of running doing like 100
1: foot cables out to the auditorium and just yeah. like putting
0: mics. Yeah, and That's so if you if fun, yeah. you know if you've got like sometimes like this I don't know if that really would have cost us a lot to do that because Adam works there it's like so if you have a place like that you know your local church if you go to church you know or if you've got a, a youth center activity center like shit I don't know you want to record in a gymnasium like maybe if you got your gym like yeah. there are really cool things that you can do um, or sometimes even if you're able to and you've got a mobile rig go into the band's rehearsal space yeah. and that then I think can add a vibe because it's like although the listener might not realize like yeah we actually recorded it in their space that's their place nobody else plays there yeah. um i think it can add a unique vibe to the record because it's like damn that's it makes this record even more unique and more of that artist because it's it's their space just lean in
1: to and embrace the technical shortcomings of whatever your recording
0: situation is yeah. and i think that's i think that also just as a whole is a really good principle to follow because everyone always talks about, like, you know, legitimately.
1: Not to cut you off, if your mics are in phase, mm-hmm. you're good. You've recorded everything
0: correctly. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you put them in the room, or yeah.
1: Like, you know, looking the, back, you might be like, oh, I should have moved that mic. I should have moved mm-hmm. that mic like four feet closer.
0: Yeah, but, no. yeah. There is no wrong way to do it, and even if it's out of phase, like you could use that for something yeah. possibly. But I think. You know, everyone's always striving, all the plug-in manufacturers, all the microphones, they're all trying to emulate You know, the yeah. old analog stuff. And I think one of the things was, it's like, those things weren't perfect. They weren't the most clean sound. We're, yeah. Everyone's constantly trying to put a plug-in out or put a, a, a piece of gear out that's recreating that, that harmonic content, that mm-hmm. thing about analog. And so it's like, you got to realize it's like, if you are going for that sound, like, it is the imperfections that make it really yeah. cool, you know? Not doing it a certain way. Like, those guys, a lot of those great records, those guys were doing stuff that nobody had done before. Yeah. And so it wasn't the right way. It wasn't the way they were taught. It was them experimenting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Take, take off a ceiling vent and put a microphone on a stand up there. They're really going up there. They're, they're a passionate uh, pair of dogs. Yeah, they're loving life. So yeah, uh, what are your typical like mics that you use for rooms? Um, I've used literally every mic. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've I've done everything from a not everything everything from a fifty-seven to a, a forty-seven. Uh, we got one right here the uh, the V sixty-seven. Uh, is this the G the V sixty-seven G? Yep. G uh, for, uh, these are the first pair of, um, of large diaphragms that I had, and I still love these. They are great. I use them on acoustic guitar as well. They're, I mean, they you sound great singing into one. Awesome, awesome room mics. Uh, they're killer. They've got a nice, explosive sound to them. I think yeah,
1: you good can detail. Find them used for they're cheap too. Seventy bucks. Yeah, that's um, why I, I'm so happy with them. That they're you know they're my go-to large cap overheads. One because they fit the budget. Like if I'm gonna get good large cap overheads, I'm gonna have to save up more than I want to. Mm-hmm. What you can get great sounding a pair of great sounding room mics for under two hundred bucks. Yeah,
0: room mics or overheads. They're they're yeah. great for both. Either any way you want to use them. If you only have one, they're great mono. Like yeah. I've used them on toms
1: before for like really light stuff. Mm-hmm. They they can't handle
0: the SPL. Yeah. No. Um, which is
1: why I probably prefer them as room mics than like if I'm doing rock stuff for overheads. Yeah, I, I don't use them just because they
0: they they're gonna get, yeah yeah wrecked. Um, 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 but farther away for rooms, not as much. Just now, because I think. Because I've had the budget, too, I've gotten myself a pair of the 214s, mm-hmm. and those have become my favorite. I love yeah. those. Um, if Depending on what I'm looking for, if I'm using them as overheads, then I might use then my Royer as a room mic or the 47 as a room mic. If, I, if I'm wanting to use small diaphragms, which I want to talk about these, I yeah. should have brought them over but the visual doesn't matter yeah. but um, if I'm using small diaphragms then I will totally use my 214s I, I just want to I, one they're new to me but I think they just sound so good no matter what you do, mm-hmm. use them for that I will always use those as either overheads or room mics because um, they're just they're, they're great that yeah. sound is awesome 414s are awesome yeah they're I love them. as overheads. We really should do that test where we grab one of the 414s and see how yeah. similar... In cardioid, how it sounds compared to the 214s and really see, Are like, the is 214s it, just cardioid? They're just cardioid. Okay. They, are, uh, they are, according to AKG, it is the same exact capsule. Right. It's, the, everything is the same. Except for... Except for it doesn't have all the various polar patterns. Right. was um, almost like the... And then the, the, the,
1: the casing six, is different. The 604 conspiracy. Mm-hmm. or Not conspiracy, but rumor that I heard. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, that'll be fun. Um, I can borrow the, the two fourteen or the four fourteens from the theater if I yeah, if I cool. wanted to. But I there's always just like that guilt factor of
0: walking mm-hmm. out with like, can I borrow three thousand dollars worth yeah. of stuff? And I will say the four fourteens, they are also they they're the 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 body and the casing does feel a little more a little solid. heavier. Yeah. yeah, it does feel a little more like oh yeah, this is a fifteen hundred dollar mic That's versus funny. the what I think they're eight hundred dollar mics, the two fourteens. I think so. Um, I want to try those. They're great though. Lautens. Oh my God, dude. I really want to try some Louton stuff. Because they a,
1: were, they're on one of my picks.
0: There's another company. They're, uh, they've got. Um, Lewitt?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, Lewitt. Yeah, Lewitt yeah, yeah, you knew
0: exactly what I was going to say. You knew exactly what I was going to say. They're like a black and green color. Yeah, the, the,
1: you watched the uh, the one, oh, the German guy whose name I can't remember. He did a shootout of Lewitt versus Neumann's. Oh, I didn't see like, that. I should have I saved, um, saved $4,000 and just bought the Lewitts. Yeah,
0: I watched. Um, uh, Spectre Sound Studio. Yep. Glenn, I I like him. He's yeah. he's funny. I do like him. I don't agree with everything he says, no. but he's an entertainer. He's infotainer for sure. But uh, they did a, a drum recording where they at with the with the Lewitt guys, and yeah. it was really cool. It was I was like, shit that thing sound really good. They I do. mean, it goes to show that Glenn and all those guys there all know what the fuck they're doing, especially because yeah. that room was like that room itself that they recorded in was like a million dollar room, right? Uh um, that thing was that was a great room. The drummer was great, but it was just like, damn, those might sound good. Yeah. Um, but I want to talk about my $100 Amazon.com Amazon. <laughs> Amazon. purchase. of. I needed a pair of uh, small diaphragm condensers. They are called Lyx or Lyx, L-Y-X. Maybe there's another X. I don't know. I think it's just L-Y-X. But I have this small diaphragm pair, and they came with three additional capsules for each one. So the capsules I have on are the cardioid. Then it's got hypercardioid, omni- and then I also believe a figure eight pattern on it. May, no, yeah, that wouldn't make yeah, sense. No. That would, no, I think uh, it came with three.
1: Cardioid. Cardioid. It,
0: Hypercardioid. It might be. Omni. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But that's crazy for $100. Um, and they are allegedly, allegedly a matched pair. I don't believe that. And I also really don't care. I really don't care about the whole matched pair thing. Um, that I, I will never spend the extra $100 to get a matched pair. I, I don't buy it. Like, I, it's like I'm, I'm sure, sure it, it matters. I'm but. sure if you run audio tests on it and you do like you know like detailed scientific tests, yes, you'll see something. But when it comes to then actually hearing it, once you get shit in a mix, I, I I don't care. It's not enough for me to spend an extra hundred or two hundred dollars. But those little fuckers are awesome. The first pair I bought came. One of them was broken, so I sent it back. But you can buy them from Target.
1: All right, you, you got- can buy it from
0: Target. Cardioid, <laughs> Omni, and
1: some sort of tighter Cardioid. Yeah. And omni, Cardioid, and Super Cardioid. How much are they at Target? $100, $100 with $6 of shipping.
0: Dude, and the case they come in is like the same case. It's like a heavy-duty case, yeah. like the foam. It's the same as you'd get from Warm Audio or yeah. even from AKG. It's like, I mean, dude, you could throw that case on the floor. I was blown away, and they sound pretty good. I
1: remember when you got them, and he's like, I I bought these cheap mics <laughs> And they sound good. And I was like, there's no way. And we used them for a drum recording. And I heard them and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're like,
0: these are really good. Holy Honestly, crap.
1: like, as far as, like, budget picks go, I they don't make these anymore. But you can find them used. The CAD CM217s. Mm-hmm. We actually use these on that same drum recording yeah. as the room mics. Um, They they sound dark. Yeah. Earth uh, er, They're They have a a nice, like, boomy ribbon mic vibe to them. Mm -hmm. So as overheads, they're not great, but I like to use them as rooms or, like, my trash mics, which we'll talk more on uh, in another episode. But you can find these things used for, like, 35 bucks a microphone. Oh, wow. And they sound... This is great. I mean, I guess you could find the whole CAD drum mic kit from back in the day. I don't recommend that. Those don't really sound that great. But if you can find that thing for under hundred bucks, these little microphones, the yeah. pencil condensers that come with it,
0: are worth that money. Alone. I find like I think we we brushed upon this in another episode about starting off with like shittier gear or not necessarily yeah. shittier gear, but cheaper gear. But like you um, have to like like I I think it's I think it's great because I feel like it forces you to better your techniques because yeah. you know like with those with those Lyx Lix microphones, like you can't just put them up and they sound great yeah. like you have to do fine air because they do have a little bit of harsh sizzle we had know, to fine tune in a little bit you know, yeah. but when you get them there it's like this sounds great this is awesome There, you cannot critique them like you wouldn't yeah. We, yeah, like this is p- totally fine whereas versus the AKGs really as long as they're in phase and you throw them up like they're gonna sound, sound great yeah. they're gonna they just temper themselves really nicely
1: yeah so it was that, the same thing uh, maybe it was our catching up episode or something where we said there was someone who has been recording for as long as we've been alive mm-hmm put up all SM57s on a drum kit and they were better than us in audio school with, they opened the mic locker and they so were like, do what you want, pick yeah. whatever you want mm-hmm. and they yeah. blew
0: us away with 57s so. yeah, because it's like, if you can get good at making like just any old microphone, finding mm-hmm. the right placement for it, you know, I think it's about learning the microphone too, having an extensive yeah. knowledge of the, the equipment that you have Like you make it sound great, you know <laughs>
1: like I buy nicer microphones now, one, because I can afford them, and two, I have to do just less processing yeah. it's more of a just I I know and I think my fundamental techniques are good enough that I can set a good microphone and forget it and it's just yeah. like I'm gonna use the mic to do what I want then
0: mm-hmm. and because it just starts to kind of come naturally you know <laughs> like your room you know your setup and so you know like okay I know what this I generally yeah. know what sound I'm gonna get if I place this microphone here Yeah,
1: um, you could give me Tiger Woods' golf clubs and I would still be slicing it far right every time <laughs> but if you gave Tiger Woods my shitty golf clubs he could probably we would make par, you know, it's about, it's, you know, just about, it's the, the undefinable characteristic of you've made enough mistakes to know. Yeah. Like I have never found the right place to put a microphone. Like, initially, I just know that I can't put it here, I can't put it here, and I can't put it here. Yeah, it's so almost probably about if I put where you shouldn't
0: here, put it yeah, rather than where you should. And it's kind of like, well, here's where you shouldn't, but there you go. Yeah. And I think, you know, I will never be one of those people that says, the gear doesn't matter. Like, of course it does. You yeah. know? Like, you know, it's like, yeah, Eddie Van Halen playing a a, a, squ- like a piece of shit Squire at a Target. It's like, yeah, he can still make it rip, but it's still going to sound like shit compared to yeah. him playing one of his own guitars. And it's like the same thing. that, But it's just like, if you can... Learn to make something bad sound good. You're definitely heading in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So that when you do have the good gear, like you're not gonna yeah. have to think about it as much.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I could put I could put my two Neumanns up in uh, a Glenn John's technique on a Target fucking kids drum set, and it's just not gonna sound good. Yeah, it's but like it, <laughs>
0: it still sounds like a Target drum set.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's this weird thing that people discuss in gear where. Uh, Every Like, you know, I get it. I have gear that I lust after. I know your wish list is as long as mine for, yeah. for stuff that we, you know, I just it's fun to play with this stuff. But once you're past the, like, the threshold of acceptable gear, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. it's all little things. Like, yeah, I, you know, I'm kind of an SM57 hater for certain reasons, <laughs> but it's more usable than most other things out there. Yeah. So which is why I still have four of them. Yeah.
0: Like, yeah you still have four of them? Yeah. I think, I think I only have three. Want to buy one? <laughs> <laughs> Want to buy one? I'm trying to think of what I would use four fifty sevens for at the same time. I don't think I would. I, if bought, I was running live. If I was yeah, doing live that's stuff, one hundred. Why 100%, I got it? Yeah. basically. I just in the studio though. I just have stuff and like I don't know if I've used. Yeah,
1: I was in audio school. and My one aunt was like, "Do you have a hundred bucks for your uh your Christmas wish list?" Are well, we
0: getting another call? Uh, from. Baltimore, Maryland? I'm pretty sure this is a spam number. Should we answer it on the air? No, I don't want to do you that. You don't want to just roll with it? No. Uh, I also noticed that your uh, your your phone thing is also every time I die. <laughs> I'm having a bad week. I'm having a bad one. I don't know why. This is like completely off topic, but I just really Don't want. brand yourself, kids. I really want uh, Chinese food right now. Oh, Chinese does sound Dude, good. Dude, we should, we should add that to one of our uh, things where we order food sometimes <laughs> from a local restaurant.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the plan. Okay, um, cool. What... Was I talking about? SM50. Oh, well, yeah, my aunt was like, You have a hundred bucks for Christmas. And I was like, Well, there's a deal in Sweetwater where you can get a SM fifty-seven with a cable and a stand. So I got one. Oh. And then later on I bought one of the shore mic packs. The, the drum hands. one. Yeah, and it always comes with 57. big, big regret. <laughs> big regret. <laughs> I don't I don't like the beta fifty two. Sorry?
0: Not a fan of it either.
1: Some people get great sounds. Yeah, I think that's have we covered enough that people have a vague sense?
0: But. Oh, yeah. No, I think we definitely, you know, I mean, we could go into crazy specifics. But yeah, I think those will be later episodes yeah. when we need something to talk about. But uh, you want to talk about some, some, you know, some playlist? What's on the playlist this week? This yeah. was, like, really difficult, and that's, I think our, our original idea was to separate overheads and rooms, but then we just got to a point when we were listening to music that we're like, yeah, you can't. Yeah. Like, you really can't be like, oh, that's really just the great overheads. Like, it's such a blending. I mean, the entire... Yeah, I mean all mixes are that, but like, you know, you can definitely separate like yeah, I think the, the snare drum direct from the room. The but. only thing we didn't mention about room mic placement from my notes that I looked at
1: is that uh, if you have them higher up, they're going to function more like overheads and be more mm. cymbal yep. oriented, and the closer you are to the floor, the more drum shell oriented they're yep. going to be. So now, because I said I have the inputs, I will run probably my MXLs high up as a a wide, airy sound, and then honestly, I think I'm. Just putting two fifty sevens like in line underneath them yeah and that'll be my my lower pitched you can mic the floor ever done that
0: I have done that that's you, pretty cool you
1: put the 57 so close to the floor that you can slide like a business card under there mm-hmm. that's a fun like if you have a not great sounding room
0: yeah you can completely you can manipulate the way it sounds by mic the up.
1: floor or the wall or if you have a really small room turn the microphones around and mic the sound bouncing, bouncing off, off the, the wall all those reflection yeah. points I'll, I'll record the wall sometimes record the wall I wish I would have recorded the wall. <laughs> that, a lot, yeah, a lot of money. A lot,
0: yeah, a lot of money. And uh, yeah. yeah, if only we weren't born in 1919. If only we were a fly on the bricks
1: in the wall. That joke didn't land. But the fly did on yeah. the brick wall. On the brick wall, yeah. yeah. In those sessions, I feel like I would have learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, there
0: have been a lot of drugs going on. In that All too. right, uh, the only thing haze. I'll say
1: is that uh, don't, uh, don't use two different microphones as a same set of overheads. Yeah, you know, and, maybe I mean, not.
0: If maybe you're not.
1: purposely going for a weird effect and you know it'll work, go for it.
0: Uh, yeah, but, but just try like to a st- make... If you're trying to get like your standard overhead sound, sound, don't you, do that. Don't, um... Yeah, I don't really buy into the fact
1: of, like, the matched stereo pair thing. I'm not even going to, yeah. If I, if I have <laughs> I a bullshit. a matched pair of... Because that also means that you would have to use them both together all the time for them to stay exactly. matched.
0: Exactly, yeah, because then they'll, they will deteriorate over time. Like, that, that's I, why I'm like, that's so dumb. Like, yeah,
1: if I have a stereo pair of, you know, call it U87s or whatever, mm-hmm. like, and then I use this one for vocals. Well, yeah. then now I'm going to have to remember, well, which one did I use for vocals? How yeah. long? and.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like... You know, maybe if I had just oogles of money to spend where I had a matched pair of something, and is, then I had individual ones that I would use for individual things. Isn't like, it the slight difference that gives things characters, though? Oh, like, oh, maybe. But did we just touch on something? That it's the, it's the imperfections, of, the differences that make things sound good? Sound human. Yeah, sound human.
1: I got They're a not. mutual friend of ours, an A, in their music class in college, because I was, like, I was... In one of those headspaces that night when they asked me this question, and I was like, oh, "Well, are you telling me this? they're talking about uh they watch was it 4:33 or whatever, where mm-hmm. the guy just sits at the piano, yeah, and, like all of the people in the music class were like, 'Cause it was like it's like a community college intro to music class. They're like, Formal. it's not music. There's no sounds. I was like, well, if you think about it, it's the space between the notes that makes the music. Because if not, it's just constant noise. <laughs> and then I told her to like write in the, her her her, uh, her paper. I was like. Google pink noise and play it. There's no frequency separation and no duration separation. Mm-hmm. Like, That's all frequencies
0: just firing yeah, at, yeah, right at the end. same time, yeah. You don't I want to love, listen to that. I love that meme where it's like, jazz is the, what makes it jazz is the space between the notes. And then I realized in the deafening silence of my own soul, yeah. I'm never not listening to jazz.
1: I know there was an old composer who said music is the space between the notes.
0: And you know, that, that is true, but I feel
1: like... I, I quoted who it was, I looked it yeah. up, but I was like, if you think about it, he's right. Like, yeah. This, the 433 thing is just an example of, I think it's 433, for I, mean, I, I don't remember what it is. Whatever it is, yeah. I met my girlfriend at a brewery called Six Thirty Three, so I might just be
0: putting. Well, them. and then there's, I mean, I've watched like Adam Neely does some cool stuff on YouTube. He talks about like, I you love know, that guy. You know, the space between the notes is also that's what you know creates your tempo. That's what creates your groove. Feel, and that yeah. there is a point where you can play too slow, where the human mind doesn't connect the beats anymore. Yeah, like if you just have like a. Toom, toom. Oh, even start, that's too fast. Yeah, even yeah. that's too fast. You still get a rhythm of that, but like, there's a point where it's too Set slow. Set your click to ten BPM. Oh yeah, and, and try you to will,
1: yeah, you can't and play that as quarter notes.
0: Yeah, it's really hard because you just your body can't remember that. It doesn't have yeah. that. I forget what it what he called it. There's some scientific terms for it, but it's really cool. Um, damn, we could go on on and on about want, that. Yeah, you want to get to the playlist?
1: I don't think I missed anything. But I'm sure I, when I go back and edit this, I'm going like, to be like, oh, so should
0: have talked about that. Fiddle sticks. Yeah, let's uh, let's do it. Let's do it.
1: Who started?
0: I think we did me, then you. I think, or are we back to me? Maybe not. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Yes, I... You, I think you have more songs than I do, so I'll let you start off. Yeah, I, I have a lot because there's also
1: some points that I've tied in that I, I it's... It makes more sense if I reference it in the playlists. Yeah. So, yeah, you and start off. My podcast, I could put on as
0: many songs as I want. <laughs> I could do whatever the hell I want.
1: Uh, sticking with the uh, perfect circle thing, um, Josh Ray's do be hitting the, good, the drums good at anything he does, but the song Blue has a really good um, balance of overheads, and there's definitely a hi hat spot mic because at one point he opens the hi hat and it pans and it just ties the song in well together. So, my first pick is Blue from A Perfect Circle's 13th Step. Nice.
0: My first pick is Garden in the Bones by Periphery. That whole album's really cool. Uh, I particularly like that song because it's got a, a more open arrangement. But I really love the the depth and the space, the stereo width of the overheads in that song um, yeah. because he, does, he doesn't he does ever really wail on the overheads very much, but there are lots of individual hits here and there. Yeah. Um, and so the, the upfront tone... That you hear when they're hit is every single cymbal sounds unique. And I yeah. think that's one. I think that's cymbal choice. Um, I think that, that really goes to show. That's another note. Try, if you're going to have two different crashes or three different crashes, have them all sound slightly different from each other. Don't have the same ones. You know, I yeah. want to hear different pitches. I want to hear a different tonality in them. And I think that song really I showcases mean, yeah. that.
1: Yeah, no two cymbals do sound alike, but it's it's the... the contrast that makes yeah. it work which is what i was i never finished my minor point uh is that i would love to own minor symbols but i would have to buy a full symbol pack if i'm going to get one oh, yeah. you know what i mean because mm-hmm. you know i just feel like my sabians all blend well together
0: yeah yeah so i rarely be, ever see a lot of mix matching going on yeah um, it, but the other thing about that that song is also then then the room sound is really nice when you listen to the way the snare reverberates mm-hmm. in that room is really key to it but then also I think this is a really great great choice of uh, the blending of the room mics for the overheads uh, because you can really hear the symbols in the room mm. and it adds this this depth you can kind of hear them as they as they uh, uh, fade away not fade away as the amplitude goes down yeah decay Be- decay hey, there, there we, we go, go man. Yeah, I'm a scientist. You can really, I feel like you can really hear their decay in the room, which I really do yeah, because it adds like uh, a real depth to the to the sound. So, Garden of the Bones, by Periphery. Sweet. Um, you can
1: get crazy with your overheads. I like, I do like putting some phase on an overhead.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a fun... I like that swimming sound a little bit.
1: So, my pick for that type of vibe would be Schism by Tool. Nice. Those overheads do be phasey and I feel like it is one of the coolest drum grooves, maybe ever. But the phasiness of the hi hat and the overheads really help that song kind of carry
0: and, get, oh, yeah. and give it, it a feel. Oh yeah, it adds groove to it. I think that's one of the things that can be said about a little bit of phase in your overheads is that it's oh, like there's a lot on this one. Yeah, but. there's no there's no wrong way to do it. Sometimes that adds to the movement of the song. Yeah, if
1: your symbols if the performance is great but the symbols are just kind of stagnant, throw some throw a phaser on there. It'll exactly. Yeah. Pitch and warble make them kind of stand out a little pitch, bit.
0: Yeah, warble. Alright, number two for me. I Actually, I have them written down in a different order, but I'm actually going to, because I've got two that I want to talk about last. Cause gotcha. things. But uh, number two, I would say, is uh, Black Sunday by Coheed and Cambria. Uh, that's off their latest record. And I think it's just a really good, just a, a great overhead sound. The gotcha. cymbals all sound really nice. They're all placed very well um again i think that's a a song where there's no wailing going on on the overheads mm-hmm. uh, on the on any of the cymbals and so that that does lend itself to that but i think it's just a really good example of a a very good middle ground of there's right. body to the hi-hat their body to the cymbals they're not just the white noise that you get in a lot of metal um but they might not be as articulate as some of my other choices getting down because there is a little less room in there overheads mm. has just really clean they're very smooth sounding and i am a big fan of them just they're nice they are there when yeah. they need to be there and they're not when they're not sweet
1: um i realized i wrote down the wrong song for the artist that i wanted to mention <laughs> um there is uh on the sound awake album by carnival there's so many good oh. songs um that's a great example of really good use of room
0: room tone for the whole yeah um, whole mix.
1: Yeah, I, I originally wrote New Day, but I think my pick's going to be Dead Man, the one at the is mm-hmm. that Dead Man at the very end of that? I Think so. Um, it's very Tool esque. Yeah. I, I like it. But the the room, the combination of rooms and
0: overheads in that mix is phenomenal. It really ties it together. Yeah, that's that whole album. Give that whole album a listen. Anything okay. by Carnival, really. I mean, that album in it, it, it particular um, has a really good blend of, of just, room tones and, and just really interesting engineering choices. One of the best sounding records, too. Uh, it's beautiful.
1: And they tracked uh, the bass
0: and the drums live together. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, no, I think room, that yeah. lends, lends to that. I think it's really fun. It does glue it. Yeah. Really? really t- That rug really tied the room together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three for me, and uh, anybody that was listening to the pre-show, Probably already got this spoiled for them, but uh, almost easy by Event Sevenfold, particularly just because I love that ride bit where it's, t-t-t-t-t-t-t-t. but I think that's a great example of spot mics. Uh, yeah, that you wouldn't really be able to get that kind of direct um, crispness out of a part like that mm-hmm. if you just had just a, a space pair of overheads or XY. Yeah. That there's definitely they were like we gotta we gotta make sure we get there because there's an attack to the ride that if you listen to it later on the song when he's just riding it. Yeah. <laughs> had to had to go there that's... Um, when he's just writing it it is a li- it's not as attack oriented it's a little smoother yeah. but when this part when this particular part comes in when you listen to it you'll, you'll hear it because it also then pans left and right yeah. um, it's like oh that's those are spot mics and I think that's a great, sure. yeah. that's a great use of them is, is something like that where you're trying to emphasize a certain part because I think I think in a lot of, of your just modern music the overheads are just there you yeah. know they're not they are they are creating a rhythm but i mm. feel like there are certain songs this one in particular where the overheads have their own moment to shine in terms of like um, it's not melodic because yeah. it doesn't it's playing one note but there's this rhythmic or melodic aspect to like oh whoa that's really cool that really yeah. stood out you know sometimes with like a china you know with like a ksh, 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 there might be a cool rhythmic thing that breaks up your standard eighth notes or quarter notes yeah. and i think having a spot mic on that particular symbol, when that part comes up, can really emphasize that groove change, yeah. um, and and this song does a great job of that.
1: I'm gonna do a callback to the snare episode, I believe. But there's a cool thing. Um, I'm gonna say before I forget by Slipknot again. I might not put it on this playlist because it's on the snare playlist. Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I again, you know, I like to get the snare sound out of my overheads, but put it on there. It's a great song. Everybody would argue, or no one would argue, Slipknot heavy.
0: No. Heavy band. No. Um. Heavy band, Billy Joel. Yeah, for sure. Bruce Springsteen, the East Street band, heavy band. Slipknot, no. Wimps. Yeah. Uh, chips. The overheads on that album are not very compressed.
1: We've talked they about this. They might yeah. actually just be wide open. Um and I think a lot of in metal modern metal music, there is a lot of extreme compression on the overheads you know a lot of people put like what l2 down on the overheads to just get the snare out of there yeah i don't know that that slipknot record's fucking heavy and those overheads are like wide open not even genre related when i saw tyler childers in concert their front of house guy i'm pretty sure just left the overheads just wide open and it was yeah it's just the way i like overheads is i like them behind the vocal Uh uh-huh but more narrow um so I guess I'll do. I'll throw two callbacks in to round out the overhead, and then also it's very apparent on "Invincible" by Tool. If you listen closely, mm-hmm. and it's also because Danny Carey does the hi hat and ride in the middle, like I do. Well, I do it like he does. Um, <laughs> he copied you. Yeah, believe it or not. Look you, Adam. You're influencing people. Um, but he, yeah, um, it was. Yeah, they. It's just they're tucked. It's. He's got a huge drum kit mm-hmm. and the crashes are kind of panned out. I think they were recorded tri mono, but the hats and the ride are very, very much yeah. narrow in the uh, the space. And it's just, I don't know, I, I like it. Hell yeah. And then the other half of my playlist is like
0: specific room things. So
1: cool. if you want to throw in more that you can. Oh, I've
0: got, uh, I've got one more that's kind of the overheads that right. I've got. Then I've only got two more after that. But uh, number, uh, I don't know what number I'm on. doesn't matter. Takeover by Catatonia. That whole record's really cool. Um, they are a metal band, but they kind of have a, a very at. Atmospheric vibe to them, mm. even in their heavy parts, and I feel like the overheads do a really good job of contributing to that. Um, because they it, it's not that the overheads have a roomy tone to them, but they just have this swimmingness to them. That I really like yeah. they're very, um, I want to use a color to describe it, I don't know why, but that's the only way they're very Makes blue sense. sounding to me. Okay. They've got this. this this nice dark quality to them a that I really really enjoy. Good weight to them. Yeah, yeah there's a good weight to them. They're present. They're mm-hmm. they they are still present, but I wouldn't call them bright and I really like it. Cuz I think there's a difference between being bright and being present. Yep. Um and so they've got this very nice dark moody character to the overheads that and there's this really nice space between them. Right. Um yeah. they're, they're very wide and so there's a lot of clear definition between each one that you can te- I feel like I, I don't actually know the recording setup, but I feel mm. like his symbols were all spaced a good distance apart from each other to That's create key this too. sound.
1: Symbol um, placement on the drum kit we didn't talk about, but
0: that is yeah. that is also very key. Do uh. right, you wanna move on to your uh, I see a lot of stuff written down.
1: I like drum rooms. Yeah, um, me too. Um, and I know Iowa.
0: we're I know one that we're gonna completely yeah, I can already see it. We have one that's the exact same one. Okay, well, then I'll just give it to you so I don't no, have to say it. I was going to say, I was like, we can both talk about it. But we'll get to that one. We'll talk about it last. All
1: right. Uh, switching to rooms now, uh, sticking with uh, a perfect circle. Different album. Uh, they have a song called The Doomed, and it starts with this very crushed drum room sound yeah. that is also the same drum beat as Bullet the Blue Sky by U2. <laughs> Also, the same as "Give Me Novocaine" by Green Day. Same drum beat. Mm-hmm. Look it up. It's funny. Um, nice. But yeah, and then you know it opens up into the full drum mix. But it just sets the tone because they're just they're smashed and it, it's just that's good use of just obliterating a drum room yeah. mic. Uh, for cleaner stuff, I said I, I will tuck them in as an overall drum sound. But I will also just obliterate drum room mics. It's my favorite thing to do.
0: Oh it's no, just, I love it. I love a good distorted room sound. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll
1: talk about—we're we're adding a drum episode since we combined some, so we'll talk about overall processing for each yeah. thing and, and a full, like, contextual—like, we'll focus just on what's going on in our DAWs or consoles and whatnot. Yeah.
0: I—so I only have two more left because I didn't—I just kind of combined all of them because everything that I said uh, is, stands true, but it's also just—I love the mixture of the rooms mm. and overheads on here. Um, I will say as a caveat, though, honorable mention— I've mentioned that this band before, Don Broco, but their latest album, Amazing Things, have a lot of really cool drum room sounds. Throw one Uh, on. I will. We'll throw one on there. We'll throw one on there. I can't think of this exact song right now, um, but it'll be on the playlist. But there's this really cool moment when they pan the drums all the way to the far right, and it's... um, Man, what is it? Oh, I think it's... I know what song it is. It's uh, the song Uber. Um, There's a very distorted room sound. Oh, it's awesome. The drums become super roomy. They're... Cranked up, they're distorted, and they get panned. all Everything gets panned right, uh, yeah. and it's a really, really cool effect. It's a, a really good use of using the drums to create an atmosphere for the entire song. Yeah, um, I will go. My next pick uh, will be
1: "Shame Shame" by the Foo Fighters.
0: Oh yeah, I love that one.
1: The room sound on that. It, it's more room heavy than it is overhead heavy, but it's. I, th- I also think they recorded it in the stairwell of this like haunted mansion they were recording it in. So have
0: you seen the preview for their movie?
1: Yeah, I might be trying the um, the theater that I work at. Also has cinemas. Ooh, uh, I think we may have talked about this on the last episode. Yeah, you're gonna try uh, to get that movie in there. Yeah, just for preview. Because I found out that Corey doesn't like the Foo Fighters, I was like, "Would you watch that?" And she's like, "Yeah, that sounds so fun." And I was like, "I send sarcasm." She goes, "I don't like the Foo Fighters." <laughs>
0: I'll go see it with you. She goes,
1: "We talked about this." I was like,
0: "We did not talk gotta, about this." Oh, we gotta talk. I gotta talk to Corey about this because I, you know me, yeah, I like some of the songs. She
1: is a hypocrite because shame, shame came on, mm-hmm. and she goes, "I can't listen to this because of your brother's parody of it." What was this parody of? It? We'll talk about it off air. I don't. <laughs> it's borderline ruin the song for me. Oh, that's great. So I don't want to ruin it for the audience. Okay. Out of respect. Yeah,
0: I've got a. Uh, it's not even a love hate thing with the Foo Fighters. I just, I think they're great, but I don't think they're like one of the greatest rock bands of all time. I think they write good songs, and that's, that's about it. Yeah. I think their production is what really is awesome. And their last few records, I think, Dave's Dave Grohl's passion for getting into that. Yeah, I has think been great.
1: they would be they would be a good argument for. Their songwriting, they're, like, opposite, totally opposite of, of modern music. And I, I'm a huge Dave Grohl fan, as mm-hmm. people know. Um, but in the early 2000s, like, the production on their records weren't anything, like,
0: uh-huh. they were just, great was just what, or noteworthy. Really, going on at the but time. it just shows that,
1: like, his ability as a songwriter... And not every Foo Fighters song on every album is one that I love. But the songs you know by the Foo Fighters, there's a reason you fucking know them. Like,
0: yeah, I just feel like they are... I feel like with a lot of my, my favorite bands... Like, I'll definitely have more songs that I like better, but I will generally, probably, like, 99% will be like, these are all really good songs. Yeah. But I feel like with the Foo Fighters, and I feel like this is the way, actually, with a lot of bands, a lot of artists that have massive hits, is that, like, they have just such a spectrum of, like, really amazing songs that might blow up, you know, I mean, like, right. you know, think about it, like, uh, Born to Fly, yeah. one of the biggest songs, huge. But then they've got shit that it's like, I would never listen to this, you know? Like, I will skip yeah. so many tracks on record. And I just, I generally like bands where yeah. I like all of their catalog. That's fair. And that's just how I feel. But so, I also
1: just respect the authenticity, too. Because, like, they've never, like, you've never been like, oh, they changed their look for this album. Like, it's always true, just been yeah. like, just Dave Grohl looks like fucking Dave Grohl. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just... He'd be nothing without Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it gave him the platform, but I, I feel know, like just
0: he would have, he would have, Played drums for someone else, yeah. and it would have been. No, and I mean, his drumming is awesome. I mean, his, you know, Nirvana wouldn't be Nirvana without Pacheco, the,
1: Pacheco, yeah. Pacheco, tacheco, tacheco. Listen to Bleach. Oh, yeah. Listen to the other stuff. Tell me which ones the drums are more awesome. Yeah. Like, it's
0: hands down. Yeah. No, he's great.
1: And his documentaries are phenomenal.
0: Uh, Is it back to me now? Yeah, I'll stop. Okay. I, uh, this band, uh, Toe, their Japanese band. Their drum sound is awesome. I've never heard another, like a lot of Japanese bands actually have this drum sound and it's like, I feel like it's very particular to Japan the the style of music. Yeah. Um, super roomy, super ringy snare. Uh, I mean like literally, I believe there, there've got to be some direct mics on there, but right. it also wouldn't surprise me. I wouldn't go, no way if the engineer was like, no, this is literally just a collection of room mics. Yeah. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it is. But it's just such an amazing drum sound. Um, wouldn't use it for everything. It, it really only fits in this style of music. But it is, it, it's incredible. i It's one of my favorites. The song is called uh, Kodoku no Hatsume. It's off of their, uh, yeah, you're like, what? Yep. Well, uh, I'll figure it out. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you. But uh, the album's got a goat on it. It's called okay. The Book About My Idol Plot on a Vague. I can't remember it. It's bizarre. It doesn't make any sense. But it's a great album. Okay. Um and I'll I'll also um another one of their one of their later uh records. I can't remember which record it is, but in 2015 uh they went for a less roomy sound, but then they kind of the overheads in that are really nice, too. Um, okay. Yeah. They're they're a great band for really roomy drum sounds. Sweet. Anything off that record, but that's my favorite song. Uh
1: we'll go cuz I know one of our picks is the same, so I will skip it um for a good natural like in terms of using the room to fill out the snare sound. Mm -hmm. um, The whole album's a good example of this, but uh, Color of the Sky off the new Thrice album. Yeah. There's some good usage of giving the drums space with the room mics, but also extending
0: the length of the snare. I feel Um, like... If you're going for a big drum sound, you gotta have a big room sound. Yeah, that's you know your direct mics cool. That's where you're gonna get your attack and your punch from. But if you want like a big, big bodied drum sound, like I think you know we've talked about it before. I mean they they don't really make our list a lot, but like Led Zeppelin, I mean John Bonham's drum sound is like super roomy. It's
1: huge for sure. Yeah, they'll definitely be featured on uh, the next topic for. For oh, yeah. sure um yeah i mean i think thrice is like from photos i've seen their recording space looks about the size of like if you just blew out that wall behind me and walled
0: it off like blow you out
1: <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's probably not stick around for the after show definitely not the
0: biggest room ever uh-uh. but it's and, and, and tall and ceilings and, and you don't need a huge room to get a big drum sound no. I, I didn't mean that um but i think it should, is easier that's how oh, it's definitely order. easier yeah. yeah but um I think that's when you get creative with your placement, but yeah, there's just a good
1: usage of and I from photos from the drum tracking session, it looked like they took two Royer 121s and did uh, I guess with ribbons, it's not XY, it's Bloomline. Yeah, that looks to be about mm. the, the main room sound. and' it's,
0: it's good. All right. Are we ready? What? Can we both just unanimously say that this is like our favorite drum sound? Did you do we pick the same song I think we picked the same exact song. All right, yeah. ready?
1: Three, Three, two, one. Rabbit, Rabbit foot. foot by Defeater. Yep.
0: <laughs> I think this is just unanimously it's... like J. Moss. I... Has he come out with his drum plug in yet? Did that ever come out? Yeah, he has a. Because he had the original one, but then he was doing a new one. I'm pretty sure it's out. Because um, I know he came up with that whole master program or whatever. Master, like, master yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love J. Moss's engineering. He, his guitar, I mean, uh, literally everything about those records sounds yeah. awesome. But... He's a
1: 421 on the snare guy.
0: Is that what's going on? Yeah, he, he mics his drum kits, I'm pretty sure. With- and now, is this song still one of the songs? Because I know, like, their first two or three albums, they recorded that, like, in his basement, right? Like, next to a laundry. Uh, like- I'm pretty sure he had, like, a dedicated
1: studio space by this point by this album. But because re- you can tell in the, yeah. the quality of the production. Regardless, yeah. though,
0: even listening back to their first album, like, his drum sounds are just like. How did he do that? And he's in a concrete, unfinished basement next to a washer and dryer. Yeah. Um, but this song in particular, you know, there's a part when it gets into the. I think it's like three fourths of the way through the song and it gets to the rim. There's just this, the, this, the clicky rim. The clicky yeah. rim. This room sound is just. I don't know it's, if it's the room or a reverb, but uh, it just. At, proce- it it yeah, doesn't matter at that point. You uh, yeah. just have to you just sit and go, this is it. We've achieved. This is like getting to the moon. We've done it. Yeah. I'm
1: pretty sure. Because I, like, stalked his Instagram page heavily. I'm pretty sure he had, like, two sets of rooms where he had, like, a, a figure-eight room mic. And then he had, like, 87s as close rooms. Hmm. And then 414s as overheads. Yeah, it's... Let our podcast get big so he can come on and tell yeah, us how right, we, we tell recorded exactly
0: he did it. But it's, it's just an... It is... That drum, his drum sounds, I think... Now, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like I've watched some of his mixing videos, and he he utilizes everything. He, when I say everything, he utilizes the rooms, the overheads, the close mics, all in synchrony with each other. Not yeah. I don't it doesn't seem like one takes precedence over the other. Whereas I feel like in a lot of mixes, it's like oh the direct mics are the are yeah. the, the precedence, and then the room just supports it. In his in his mixes, it is a total harmony and synchronicity between yeah. everything that is it's creating that sound.
1: perfectly balanced. But it's explosive and aggressive, but it's not washy.
0: Yeah, it's not washy. Like, and it doesn't sound too hyper-real. You know, it's not that no. hyper-realism. It still sounds like, yeah, yeah, this is this is kind of what's happening in my head when I'm listening to a drum kit live. Yeah. And his drum room automations, perfect. Yeah. Like
1: they're some of probably the best in the game. Yeah, they're they're incredible. Like, that guy knows how to just. Because they all are balanced, but you know there are definitely p- points I think where he's pushing the rooms up and pulling the overheads back. And oh, yeah, he'll flip it and then he'll pan them in and then pan them out. Like there's, I think there's so much little details going on that there's
0: so much movement to his yeah. drums. Yeah, It's it, it's it's awesome. It really check out any of their records.
1: It emphasizes the parts, but yeah, the Letters Home album in particular is some of the best drum room sounds you'll ever hear.
0: Oh yeah, I'm realizing the dog is barking every time I talk. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know they bark. <laughs> they do not like me. Um, I, this is a, this is gonna be a, a good, good playlist. Yeah. This is gonna be really fun. Yeah, Hell yeah, sweet. Anything else? Anything else? Or Should we wrap it up for for today? We'll
1: wrap this one up. And
0: all right. Well, where can the people find us, Adam? I don't know because yeah. I'm having some. <laughs> okay, so we are currently as of our. As of the snare episode, and as as of the recording of this, we are only on YouTube right now. Uh, I had an issue with our distributor. But uh, all of the links to the playlists, we will get the playlists up on Spotify, on Apple, so you can listen along with us. They Uh, will be back. I'm hoping that it will be resolved before this episode is even... Edited. Yeah, you might not even know that this happened, but uh, yeah. A can weird you also find the links to the playlists? Because I know a lot of people want to tune in and actually listen to these songs um, without having to make their own. Are the playlist links? Are they in our link tree on our Instagram, or is they, it just the episode? Uh, it is just the episodes,
1: but the playlist links to your preferred streaming service of choice is in the descriptions for the episodes in the podcast.
0: Perfect. So if you're on Apple, if you're on Spotify, so if, you, yep, if you're on if, YouTube, it's there. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can click
1: down below and it'll say, listen to our playlist or something and there'll be an Apple Music one and a Spotify one Beautiful. that'll take you to it. And if you're on Spotify or Apple Music, you can go back to the little scrolly menu where all the episodes are shown and then you can click on the description and it'll say Perfect. listen to our
0: playlist. Yeah, they are included in the descriptions. So, And while you're there follow us. If you can like it if there's five a like stars. button, like it. If there's a five star button, five stars. And then uh, you know, leave a comment anywhere you can leave a comment. Leave a comment on our Instagram page. It's, We've uh, got
1: to be those guys. We got to conquer that algorithm. Yeah.
0: Where are the uh, the backsp- eh, backspace? Backspace. Backspace boys. <laughs> the backspace boys. <laughs> this is the uh, backseat playlist, brought to you by Reflections Arts Collective. Follow. Follow us on Instagram. Follow the network. This is the
1: only standalone backseat playlist thing. Everything else will be under uh, if you're into. I forget the word when you just use the, uh, the initials of it. But yeah, follow
0: us at Reflections RS Collective. That's on at Instagram, on Facebook, YouTube. on YouTube. Subscribe, like. Share. Please share it with your friends. Share it with your mom. You know, maybe she can knit us some hats or something. Who that would knows?
1: be cool. Show your boss.
0: Yeah, show your boss. That, uh, yeah, I think that's about it. That's about it. Uh, All right. This has been Overheads in Rooms on the that's Backseat spotmates. Playlist.
1: Boom, go record. Boom, slap it to doo